To me, Christmas is about, well, it's about the birth of Christ. December can be so busy and stressful. It's nice to end the month with a special day. Sure, we do the Santa stuff. It's fun. Our kids love it. But it's not all we do. We find time to tell others about our Lord, what he did, what his sacrifice cost. The night before Christmas, we read the story of the birth of Jesus. When my kids go to bed, they're thinking about how good he is. Christmas Day is so amazing. I can barely wait for it to get here. I love giving presents, and I really love spending time with my extended family. At some point during the day, it's good to slow down and remember who Christ is. And you know, I hope this Christmas, I can just take time to reflect. Either way, I know what this day is really about because my Christmas is real. Okay. We are excited to have you here today on this last session of Missing the Meaning. And it's good to see each one of you here for our Christmas Eve service. And whether you uh, woke up this morning just uh, cheerful and excited to come to church today, uh, or whether a family member uh, asked you or compelled you to come, we're glad that you're here. And I know that a lot of you have been waiting for Christmas to get here. Uh, a few nights ago at our house, we, we had a, a Christmas tragedy take place. And uh, we were all sitting around, and uh, it was the Bible time, Bible story time. And our little four-year-old, she asked me, Dad, how many more days till Christmas? And she said, it's three days till Christmas, isn't it, Dad? And I said, yeah, I think it is. If you count, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that'll be Christmas. So I guess you could count that way. Well, she's got this little uh, ring chart in her room that she made with her teacher. And uh, they have a little paper ring for every day. And then once all the days are gone, there's a candy cane. And you get to have the candy cane. And it's such a fun thing. And uh, so we had our Bible time and we prayed together. And then she went down to her room and she tore all the rest of the rings off and came back upstairs yelling, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, I get to open my presents. And she thought that she could fast forward time just a few days if she took those rings off and she'd get her candy cane and she'd get to open all of her presents. And sometimes we wish that's how it works, right? But you know, uh, Christmas is, is such a special season of the year. And how many of you like Christmas cookies? You like Christmas cookies? Yeah, there are all sorts of Christmas cookies. And uh, so let's, just, uh, let's just have a few people shout out to me, what is your favorite Christmas cookie? All right, go ahead, I'll, I'll listen. Sugar, chocolate white chocolate, macadamia, gingerbread. Uh, did anybody say peanut butter balls? Yeah, snowballs, divinity, uh, peanut brittle, especially if Lindora makes it. What, what else? Yeah, you got all sorts of stuff. So we, how many of you, you have eaten enough Christmas cookies in your life? 
where you feel like you could probably be a judge at a Christmas cookie contest, right? You think you guys could do that, right? And I was just, some of you just aren't being honest because I've been to Christmas parties with you and you've tried at least one cookie from every tray, okay? So you got to be honest about this. You know, I had been on planet Earth for 45 Christmases before two of the best cookies ever arrived into my life. Can you imagine this? 45 Christmases, and I had missed two of the best cookies ever. Now, now one of these cookies, yeah, I got to look at this. One of these cookies has 13 different ingredients. Imagine this. 13 different ingredients. Basically, you have to empty the pantry to make a batch of these cookies. All right? Now, this is the eggnog cookie. Okay, have you guys ever heard of the eggnog cookie? It's pretty good. The eggnog cookie, and it, I'm telling you, it's delicious, but it takes a lot of work because there's so many different ingredients. And I would set this over here and, uh, you know, kind of just let it sit here, but I'm pretty sure Pastor Cole may dispense with all of our eggnog cookies because they're one of his favorites. So I'm going to set it back over here because Dee will watch it. She'll watch it faithfully. Okay, so we've watched the eggnog cookie. Now, the other cookie that has recently come into my life that I had missed for all this time, it's amazing because uh, never until this past week, a couple of the Marcham kids stopped by my office with some cookies their mom made. And I didn't even know the name of it. My wife told me this is called the Almond Joy Cookie. It only has four ingredients. Imagine this. It only has four ingredients. It is so simple that anybody could figure it out. And the taste will blow you away. And to think that I had missed the meaning on this for my entire life. No one had ever shined the light on the Almond Joy cookie for me. I wasn't mad at the Almond Joy cookie. I just didn't know about it. But now that I do... I seriously doubt if I'll ever experience another Christmas without my new friend. Yeah, and so this is the Almond Joy cookie. And I don't know if I should set that over there either. I think I'm going to set it over here too. Now, it could be, uh, we have all the boys and girls in here this morning. It could be, boys and girls, that if I saw some really good kids out there today, that I might give away most of my cookies. Okay, I don't know if I'll commit to giving all of them away, but I might give most of them away to some boys and girls who are being good at the end of the service today. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians. Before we get to simple Christmas today, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3, Paul, the apostle, who's writing through the power of the Holy Spirit, Here's what he said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, if you ask people this question... I'm going to tell you the question. I want you to think about how the people you know would answer. 
Okay, here's the question. How can I And that used to happen all the time when you had the mic on your tie. But I don't have a mic on my tie. I have my mic up here. Too many Almond Joy cookies. It's got to be what it is. I'm going to ask you the question. I want you to think about how you would answer it, all right? How can I have eternal life? How can I have eternal life? What would your coworkers say? What would your neighbors say? What would your second cousins say? What would the people around you say to answer that question? And many of them, even though they have a manger scene in their house every Christmas, would answer it the wrong way. And it's not because they're mad at God, just like I wasn't mad at Almond Joy Cookies. And it's not because they don't want eternal life. It's just because they've missed the meaning. They've missed the simplicity of Christ. And if we ask them how to have eternal life, some of your friends would tell us, well, go to church. That's the, that's the ticket. You've got to go to the right church. Some would tell us to give to the poor and make sure you never walk by a Salvation Army bell ringer without throwing something in. That's the ticket to heaven. Some would tell us to take a trip to a holy city and to go to a holy place. Some would say to have a spiritual experience. And some would say that you have to serve others with your life. Others would say that you have to keep the law. Some would give this answer. You just have to be good enough. Your good has to outweigh your bad. I've had so many people tell me that. How, how do you get eternal life? Well, when you get to heaven and you stand before St. Peter at the pearly gate, if your good outweighs your bad, then you're, he's going to let you in. First of all, if you read the, the book called the Bible, St. Peter never stands at a pearly gate. Right? You won't be standing before old St. Pete. You'll stand before the righteous God, the judge of all the earth. And when he says, why should I let you into heaven? The good enough part won't matter. 1 John 5 says it this way. This is simple Christmas. I mean, this is as simple as it gets. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. And if you have Christ child in your life, if you have accepted simple Christmas then you have made peace with God the Father, and you have eternal life. I want to talk about simple Christmas for just a few minutes this morning. We're going to go to Luke chapter, one, Luke chapter 2, and we'll read the Christmas story here in Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> and some of you will probably read this tonight before you open presents at your house or tomorrow morning. And I always encourage people to, to read from the scripture before you do that. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. There's nothing complex about the meaning of the Christmas child. It is a very simple truth. It is a very simple blessing that's been given to all of us. And I want to talk as we go through this for just a few minutes this morning in the Christmas story about five parts of the Christmas story here from Luke chapter 2. And we do have notes in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Let's begin by saying this. The blessing is to all people. The blessing is to all people. If you look what it says here again in verse number 10, it says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So the Christmas message wasn't just to the shepherds and it wasn't just to the wise men. It's to all people. The blessing is for everyone. Now, as we started this series uh, about missing the meaning, we talked specifically about a man named Abraham who had lived 1,900 years before Christ. He was a man of faith and he had actually followed God before the Bible was ever written. And God told him, 1,900 years before Christ was born, that through his family, all of the earth would be blessed. And we followed the timeline. If you were here, we had a whiteboard up here, and we did the whole timeline of, of Abraham and of Moses and of David and all of the prophecies that were given about the Messiah. And, and here's what we know. Never in the history of, of the Jews, never in the history of Israel, had all of the earth been blessed by Abraham's family until Jesus was born. And so we know that Jesus 
fulfills this prophecy, that Jesus is the blessing that has come to all people. And since he was born now 2,000 years later, the blessing continues to be to all people. But we go a little further in the passage. Look what it says next. And this is our next part of our message. The baby is the Savior we all need. <clears throat> the baby is the Savior we all need. Verse 10 says it'll be to all, he'll be to all people. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And so this Savior is the Savior that we all need. There's a promise that was given to Joseph, who is Jesus' earthly father. And this is in Matthew chapter 1. He said, he shall save his people from their sins. Mary had received word that she was going to have a baby. And that she's going to have a baby without a husband. She's going to have a baby without an earthly father. It's going to be a miracle. And uh, Joseph, who was engaged to her, uh, he didn't find out from an angel at first. He found out from Mary. And he didn't know what to do. He wasn't sure exactly how he'd respond. And one night he was asleep. And while he was asleep, an angel, the same angel, Gabriel, came to him and said, Fear not to take Mary uh, as your wife, because she's going to have the Christ child. And his name's going to be Jesus. And he's going to be the Emmanuel because he will save his people from their sins. And you know, we all need a savior. I ran across, across this quote from a pastor in Georgia named Andy Stanley, and this is a great quote. I want you to listen to this quote. We aren't mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a savior. You catch that? We aren't mistakers in need of correction we are sinners in need of a Savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth. See, there are a lot of people out there who have bought into this philosophy. Oh, I just made a mistake. Right? I didn't mean to do it. I just made a mistake. And because it's just a mistake, I shouldn't have to pay any penalty for it. Because I didn't mean to do it. Now, how many of you have ever tried this when you saw lights behind you as you're driving down the road, and, a, and the officer came up to your window and said, you know how fast you're going? You say, officer, Ned, you don't have to worry about this. It was just a mistake, right? I wasn't, didn't mean to. I just kind of drifted off in my focus, and that's why I was going 65 and a 25, because I, I just, it was a mistake. And the officer said, oh, it was just a mistake? Well, never mind then. I don't need your license and registration. I'm not going to write anything out on this little tablet because it's just a mistake. That's not how real life works, and that's not how it works with eternity either. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. There is a penalty for our sin because we have chosen to go against God. We fall short of his glory. And we all need a Savior. As we go back to Luke 2, we find this third promise, this third part of our message today. The baby is the Christ who was promised. The baby is the Christ who was promised. 
If you look at this in verse number 11, we, we said it's to all people in verse 10. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Now look at this. Which is Christ the Lord. Now Christ is the New Testament word for the Old Testament term Messiah. The Hebrew word is, is Masiach. And it means Messiah. That's the word we say uh, when we say it. This word means anointed one. And it's used about 40 times in the Old Testament. Some passages refer to the anointed one as a priest who would be coming, like Genesis 14. Uh, some refer uh, to the anointed one as a prophet, like in Deuteronomy 18. And some refer to the anointed one as a king, like in 2 Samuel 7. But the anointed one would become the Emmanuel, God with us, and, and he was going to arrive and he's going to fulfill all these prophecies. If you look back to Matthew chapter 1 for just a minute, uh, I want to read part of this passage that I told you about where the angel came to Joseph in a dream. And I want you to look at some of the wording here in Matthew chapter 1. You boys and girls are doing great. And I, I promise you we're keeping it short today and you're doing so good. And I'm looking for people who want an eggnog cookie. And Pastor Cole has had his hands folded the whole time. He's hoping that we will buy into the theory that he is a child at heart, okay, or an eggnog cookie. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so the Christ child fulfills the prophecy of being the anointed one, the Messiah, who was coming to save his people from their sins. If you look back to Luke chapter 2, it's where we'll finish up. I want to talk to you about two more things as we close this morning. Yeah, we know this is the fourth part of our message. The birth of Jesus is to bring glory to God. Now, can you imagine being one of the shepherds that night? I mean, you were out there with your sheep, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, a bright light shines in the sky and an angel appears to your group there out in the Bethlehem hills. And the first words the angel says is, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Have you ever been frightened by something in the middle of the night? 
it can really mess with your life, can it? My wife and I, years ago, that is, I don't know how many years ago, but maybe 10 or 12 years ago, uh, we went on our anniversary to Sun Valley, and we'd, we had driven up to see the teens at camp at Worm Lake, and then we came over the back way uh, through the woods and, and came down into Sun Valley, and we had a, a bed and breakfast. We were staying out in Haley, and we went in and checked in and had a, a great meal. We went out and had a steak somewhere, and we came back. And at that night, in the middle of the night, I had the most vivid dream ever that the guy from the bed and breakfast who had checked us in was coming into our room with a knife. And, uh, and uh, when I'm having this dream, I yelled out, Amy, watch out! And so she woke up and she said, what are you doing? And I still thought he was in the room. I was still asleep. And so I'm like trying to protect her, trying to cover her. Yeah, and, and uh, well, finally she got me to wake up, but I realized it was a dream. I couldn't go back to sleep for like two hours. My heart was... I mean, it was real, right? You have that happen. Uh, I mean, sometimes in the middle of the night you're having a dream that something's happened. Or you hear a sound, and maybe your dogs start barking, or maybe a trash can lid gets knocked over. And when you have something that happens in the middle of the night to you that freaks you out, you are afraid. It's your first instinct. And these shepherds are dozing off, and they're laying there with the sheep, and everything's fine. And all of a sudden, the brightest light you can imagine shows up, and they hear a voice that says, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, as they hear the whole, the whole set of news here about how the, where to find the babe and everything's going to be great, a multitude of the heavenly host joins the angel. And so if they were frightened before, now they've got a lot more to be frightened about. There's a whole host of angels out there. And the angels begin to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. You know, I want you to think about this glory to God thing for just a minute. Because sometimes we detach worship from reality. We sometimes act like worship is something that you do on a Sunday morning once a week. Or something that you do on a Sunday morning on Easter and Christmas. But you know, worship is giving God worth every day of the year. It is us saying to God, God, you are worth my heart. You are worth my life. And celebrating the birth of Jesus is a part of worshiping God. One of the most simple verses that explains what God did for us and why Christmas is so valuable and why we give gifts. Yeah, it, it's learned by children who are three or four years old. In fact, this verse is in our, we have Awana on Wednesday night for kids, Awana Club. This is in the Cubbies book. Okay, Cubbies is three and four years old. And one of the first, one of the first verses they learn is 1 John 
And here's what it says. God loved us and sent his son. It's in their copy book. 1 John 4.10. God loved us and sent his son. That's Christmas. God loved us and sent his son. We give because he gave. We live because he loved. And our worship belongs to him. And so when the angels heard, or when the angels sang glory to God in the highest, they were crawling out worship for the whole earth. Peace, goodwill to our men. This is an amazing day is what they're saying because now we know that God has fulfilled his promise and that we can count on him and that we can worship him. I want you to notice one final thing, though, here in our Luke 2 passage. And we finish up with this. It's amazing what had taken place. The shepherds, of course, the angels were gone away to heaven, and the shepherds said, hey, we should go see what's going on over there in Bethlehem. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And after they had seen it, they told everybody. Okay? Now, I'm going to be a little blunt with this. Most people during this era of time did not like to talk to shepherds. Okay? Shepherds were basically the lowest rung in society. Okay? And here's why. Because shepherds stunk. They hung out with sheep all the time. And, uh, my grandfather on my dad's side was a dairy farmer. And he smelt like a dairy his entire life. Right? You came up to him at any moment of his life, he smelt like a dairy. Okay? If you went up to him when he was in the dairy barn, he smelt like a dairy. If you went up to him at church, he smelt like a dairy. If you went up to him at a black tie banquet, he didn't have a black tie on, and he smelt like a dairy. Okay? <laughs> he smelt like what he was. And these shepherds, I'm telling you, people... When they, they knew when a shepherd walked in the room. Like, oh, I think there's a shepherd around. It's kind of like in southern Idaho in this area. We know when the sugar beet factory is running hot. Right? How many of you live in a place where sometimes the wind brings you some sugar beet? Isn't it great? And how many of you just, it's nostalgic. You're just like, oh, man, I love that sugar beet. That's so good. That's how it is with the shepherds, Right? And some people, uh, every once in a while, you'd be driving in the country with your window down. And my wife and I would be driving out there like, oh, smells like home. And she says, it smells like cow manure. I'm like, yep, smells like home. I was born on the dairy. That's how the shepherds were. And they started going around. And they're like, hey, hey, I got to tell you what happened. And the guy's like, Okay, go ahead and tell me. And then they go to the next person. I got to tell you what happened. We were out there with the sheep, and this angel came down, and he said, don't be afraid. I got these great tidings. And we went, and then we found this baby in a stable in a manger, and it's so good because he's the Savior of the world. And let's see how people responded to them. Luke chapter 2, verse number 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying 
which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Some of them thought, you know what? I don't know what really happened, but I sure hope it's true. I wonder if it's true. And there's all sorts of reactions and responses. But look how Mary responded. Verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'll tell you this is the final part of the message today. You have a choice on what to do with the news. You have a choice on what to do with the news. Some people wondered at the news. They weren't sure it was true. They weren't sure they could trust the shepherds. But Mary, she was an eyewitness to God's glory, and she kept everything about Jesus deep in her heart. And so as we finish up today, here's my question to you. What will you do with Jesus? What are you going to do with the baby in the manger? It's your choice. But I tell you this. You can't walk away today with the excuse that you don't know the truth because we just told it to you. Now you know what simple Christmas is. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. Now listen, if you've spent many years of your life not knowing how to get eternal life, don't be embarrassed by that. Don't be ashamed by that, right? I am not ashamed at all that I did not know about these. Right? I'm sad. I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I'm just sad that they haven't been in my belly sooner. <laughs> and you know, if you haven't had Christ in your life because you thought it was about going to church or you thought it was about doing good works, or getting baptized, or whatever it was. Don't be ashamed. Just come to Jesus with your heart and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I want you in my life. That's simple Christmas. And I hope you've received Jesus into your life. We're going to bow in a word of prayer. And as we pray, I'm going to pray a prayer today where you can accept Jesus into your life if you'd like to. Let's bow together. Lord, I thank you for each one who's here on this Christmas Eve. I thank you for every adult, every teen, every child in this room. And Lord, I pray right now in our hearts that we would be reminded of simple Christmas that we would remember that the baby who was born in a manger grew up to die on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the tomb, and that now he sits on the throne and he offers to us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, if there are those today who have never received you, I hope that they'll pray right now something like this in their hearts and mean it before you Jesus I know that I'm a sinner I know because of my sin I deserve eternal death 
But Jesus, you came and you were born in a manger. You died on a cross for me. You paid for my sins. Today I accept your gift of eternal life. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I want simple Christmas to be a part of my life forever. And God, I pray that you take each heart in this room. And I pray that it, it would move to worship, that it would move to praising you and glorifying you for what you've done because you're such a good God and you're such a good Father. We thank you for your gifts. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before Pastor